Good morning, everyone, and a very warm welcome to Worship at Hillhead. As always, a really special welcome to members of our family and friends joining us from across the country and around the world. And this morning, that includes our guest preacher, the Reverend Nathan Nettleton, who's joining us from Melbourne in Australia. Nathan, you are very welcome. And especially since it's eight o'clock at night and this is your second service of the day, thank you so much uh, for being with us. Um, I also want to say a special welcome to Dr. Beth's friend, Charlotte. It's lovely that you're able to join us this morning, Charlotte, and lovely to see you again. And Katrina, I'm sorry that you're in pretend Yorkshire and not real Yorkshire, but these are the vicissitudes of um, COVID-19 test and protect, or whatever the system's called now. Um, and uh, so I'm really sorry that you've not managed to meet up with your friends this weekend, but soon. Our musicians this morning uh, are Paul and Yang Yang, and as well as Nathan's voice, you'll also hear the voices of Esan and Anis, Grace and Brian. And then in a moment or two, Owen and Ethan and their family will be lighting our candle, and that's our cue to do the same where we are if we'd like to do that. Then at 2.30 this afternoon, we have Zoom Sunday School and all our children and young people are invited to join in. I understand that Emma has some fiendish challenges in store for you. So if you can make it, that would be great. And uh, mums and dads, if the Zoom invitation has disappeared into the depths of your inbox, uh, just drop me an email or give me a ring and I'll resend the details. And then just a wee reminder to everyone that there are no evening services this month. A huge thank you to everyone who has already replied to my email about future plans for worship. I would still like to hear from anyone who hasn't replied yet. I think it's really important that the trustees understand how you personally feel about the prospect of returning to in-person worship or continuing on Zoom. So please be honest and please reply. I'd be ever so grateful if you could do that by the end of today. Um, but even if it's after today and you've had some more thoughts about it, it would be great to hear from you because this will inform how we go forward together to discern as a church uh, what we're going to do. Next Sunday at 11am, Katrina will lead the first of our new series of services on being Baptist. But for now, it's over to Owen and Ethan, Ailey and John to light our candle. As we gather for worship, let us join together to become the body of Christ. Light the Christ is the light that lights our way. May we glimpse Christ's light this day.
And so we pray. God of love, we meet this morning, reminded once again that each person gathered here is a one-off. Each of us has been shaped by experiences only we have had. Each of us carries with us personal memories that trouble or comfort us. Each of us looks to the future with varying degrees of hope and fear. And yet each one of us has chosen to come here, to bring all that we are to you and longing to find all that we need in you. In you, loving God, the wounded find a healer, the penitent find a pardoner, the burdened find a counsellor. In you, the orphaned find a parent, the widowed find a protector, the lonely find a soulmate. In you, the drifters find an anchor, the grieving find a comforter, the despondent find a visionary. In you, the legalists find a rule breaker, the judgmental find a liberator, the tight-fisted find a spendthrift. The holier than thou find the holy. In you, loving God, we meet our maker and our match. So if today some of us need to say, save me, or help me or hold me or forgive me then let these words be said now in our hearts living lord in whose words are both welcome and warning Say to us, do to us, reveal in us the things that will make us whole. For this we wait, and as we wait, we will praise you. Amen. ملکوت تو بیاید اراده تو چنان که در آسمان است بر زمین نیز کرده شود نان کفاف ما را امروز به ما بده و گناهان ما را ببخش چنان که ما نیز آنان که بر ما گناه کردن را میبخشیم و ما را در آزمایش مرور بلکه از شریر رهاییده زیرا ملکوت قدرت و جلال از آن توست تا ابد آمین
Reading from John's Gospel, chapter 6, at verse 56. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. Glasgow. Good morning, sisters and brothers of the Hillhead Baptist Church. And greetings to you from the South Yarra Community Baptist Church in Melbourne, Australia, where it is already about uh, quarter past eight on Sunday night, and we have finished our evening worship service. Uh, we too are worshipping online and have recently made the decision to stay that way, even if and when the pandemic passes. We've been blessed to have your wonderful Lena Toth as a guest preacher a couple of times in the last 18 months. And so I am glad and honoured to be able to return the favour today. I'm hoping that these few preliminary comments before I start my sermon properly are enough to acclimatise your ears to my accent. I can do a vaguely passable Glasgow accent, but if you wanted another Glasgow preacher, you wouldn't have invited an Australian, so I won't. 
And I hear that uh, actually for at least half of Glasgow's football followers, um, inviting Australians is suddenly looking like a very successful thing to do. So, uh, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm doing something else in this sermon that is potentially stupid when preaching to people on the other side of the world. My sermon is based around a number of metaphors or figures of speech and such things don't always translate well from one country to another. Um, I'm hoping that there's enough linguistic overlap to uh, that you will be able to follow me. If I were to speak of the difference between sticking your toe in and diving in at the deep end, uh, I think and hope most of you probably would know what I mean. These are metaphors for the different ways that we approach things. And which one is good or which one is stupid depends on the context. Just look at the current COVID lockdown restrictions. Here in Australia, um, one of our two most populous states uh, now takes a deep dive straight into hard lockdown as soon as there are any unexplained cases of community transmission. And as a result, we are in hard lockdown at the moment. The other one, which had an easier time of it last year, has this year taken the more tentative stick-a-toe-in lockdown light approach and is now dealing with case numbers more than 20 times worse and a hard lockdown that has come way too late. I believe there are some similar lessons to be learned from the different approaches in Scotland and England. <laughs> um, in our personal lives too, the merits of the two approaches depend on the context. If you're betting on a horse race for the first time, a more cautious sticking your toe in is definitely preferable to betting your house on it. But if you've just arrived home with your newborn baby, there's no room for a cautious testing of the waters. You're already in over your head and you better start swimming. Most Australians like being in and around water. So these swimming pool metaphors come rather easily to us, uh, even if all the pools are currently closed. Um, if you grow up looking at the North Sea, you may feel differently. Although when I was in Scotland for a week two years ago, the North Sea looked as flat as a mill pond, even at John O'Groats. In fact, some people are very dubious as to whether I was really in Scotland at all because I also only saw about one hour of rain in the whole week. It, in the story that we heard from John's Gospel this morning, Jesus uses another kind of metaphor to make the same kind of point. If he was using our swimming pool metaphor, he'd be saying that some people are ready to take the plunge and others are unwilling to do anything more than splash a bit of water over themselves. The metaphor that Jesus does use is a food one. We sometimes use such food and drink metaphors too, like do you try a sip or gulp down the whole glass? Do you take a cautious taste or bite off more than you can chew? Do you sniff it first or swallow it hook, line and sinker? When it comes to matters of religious faith, our culture usually values caution. We discourage diving in at the deep end or swallowing at hook, line and sinker. Just dip your toes in. 
take a cautious taste. And this is all very well. In most situations, it's probably sound advice. But perhaps we've become rather accustomed to just dipping our toes in. And we've forgotten that that's supposed to be an exploratory step that leads to a decision to take the plunge and actually go for a swim because the swim is the point. Or to use the food metaphor, a taste test is a prelude to a full meal and the full meal is the point. Eat this bread and you will live forever, says Jesus. But just take an exploratory nibble and you'll miss the point. Right through the sixth chapter of John's Gospel, we hear Jesus working this image over and over. The images are quite confronting. You must eat my flesh and drink my blood, he says, or you will not have true life. It sounds almost insane, cannibalistic, frightening. There's no meek and mild exploratory testing out of things here. It's all or nothing. But Jesus has earned the right to ask for such an all or nothing commitment from us because he has made such an all or nothing commitment to us. Seeing the world in desperate need, God did not carefully test the waters. God did not take a small taste to see what would happen, to see whether we were receptive to the message of salvation. God did not weigh up the options and make tentative steps to reach out to us while all the while keeping an escape path open. Not at all. God dived right in at the deep end. God became human, not a bit human, not merely human in appearance, not half humans with some reserve powers to enable him to get out of trouble if the going got too hot. No, God became fully human in the person of Jesus, just as fragile and vulnerable and at risk as any of us. No safety harness, no opt-out clause, no cooling-off period, no gradual approach. In Jesus, we have seen God's total and unequivocal commitment to us. Yes, it's risky. Yes, it's reckless. But, oh, yes, it is love. Total, no-holds-barred love. And when love is that fierce, it does not hold back. You know that. Desperate parents will rush through flames into a burning house to try and save their child or dive into surging floodwaters or all sorts of crazy reckless things. Even animals would do it for the love of their own. I've seen small birds attack large dogs in an effort to try and drive them away from their nests. When love is all-consuming, it does not dip its toes in. It does not stop to count the cost or calculate the odds. It just charges in recklessly, risking everything in the desperate attempt to save the beloved one. And that is what God has done for you because that is how fiercely and all-consumingly God loves you. 
God will stop at nothing, weigh up nothing, pause tentatively at nothing. God sees you and sees the world in mortal peril and just plunges right in. But we're often rather reticent in responding to such love, aren't we? We stand back and play it cool. We want to take our time and see how it unfolds. And we do it even here because although God can see how much danger we are in, we mostly don't realise it ourselves. We're like the proverbial frog in the pot as the temperature is slowly slowly raised. We're dead before we even feel it. We tend to think that we might be missing something, but God can see that we're on the verge of missing everything. And God feels desperate for us while we just feel oblivious. Right through this story, Jesus has illustrated this from the old story of Israel's escape from slavery into the wilderness. He reminds them of how the people ate the manna that God gave them in the desert, but they still grumbled and wished they could go back to the land of slavery. They had no perspective. Emergency rations are for an emergency situation. But no, they would rather go back and die in chains than risk it all on a break for freedom that God was making possible for them. And Jesus is right. So often, that's us. We're not sure that we want real freedom. We're not sure that we want life in all its fullness. We're not sure if we want to eat the whole banquet that God spreads before us. Can't we just have a taste? Just dip our toes in? Can't we just have lighter chains in slavery or shorter hours or increased rations? Can't we hold on to the devil we know and have occasional tastes of real life to make things more bearable? And we can only think such things because we don't get how much danger we're in. We're deluded into thinking that things are merely uncomfortable not life or even world-threatening. And we want to stand back and watch and wait and see if any better alternatives come up. Come on, says Jesus. I'm offering, I'm offering to, to vaccinate you against a living death. Oh, no, no, no. I'd like to just check it out from a distance for a while and see whether any of the conspiracy theories turn out to have any truth in them or and perhaps weigh up the likelihood of the next generation of shots being better. I don't want to make any hasty decisions. The next thing we know, we can't breathe because we don't even recognise this living death that we've become so used to. My country has suffered more from catastrophic bushfires than most places in the world, but now we're seeing our experience spreading around the world. But our government may still turn up to the climate summit in your city later this year without a net zero emissions target because our insipid politicians are still holding back and holding back and hoping for more palatable options to show up. We are so used to the pitiful half-life that passes for normal in our world that we barely notice what we're turning down. We barely notice that Jesus is offering us spirit and life, life in all its fullness, life beyond anything we had previously imagined. 
but afraid of biting off more than we can chew, we just try to take just a taste, to just dip our toes in, and we miss the point. And when Jesus shakes his head and urges us to take a big bite and to throw ourselves in headlong, we take offence. How dare he question the wisdom of our cultivated restraint? Surely what he's asking us is over the top. Surely it's too much to stomach, unwise, undignified, uncool. And so, says John's Gospel account, because of this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer went about with him. Jesus confronted this on plenty of other occasions too. When people came to Jesus asking, what must I do to be saved into life in all its fullness? He gave different answers to different people, not because he was being inconsistent, but because he consistently points out what it is that each of us is clinging to that prevents us from taking the deep dive into the depths of life and love. So to one, he says, leave your boat and your nets and follow me. To others of us, he says, sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and follow me. To others of us, he says, stop clinging to your resentments and grudges and follow me. To others of us, he says, go and sin no more. Jesus knows exactly what rubbish each of us will have to let go of before we can dive into life in all its fullness. But to every single one of us, what he calls us to will initially feel like too big to ask, like too much to stomach. Because of this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer went about with him. So Jesus turns to us and asks, what about you? Do you also wish to go away? <laughs> the answer is not exactly full of enthusiasm, but sometimes a commitment can stand without needing enthusiasm as well. It's Simon Peter who answers him for all of us. Lord, to whom can we go? You have the words of eternal life. We've come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Lord, to whom can we go? You, you get the feeling that those of us who have remained with Simon Peter have also looked around for an alternative. It's like we'd go somewhere else in a shot if there was somewhere else to go, but nothing measures up. What you're asking seems too hard, but it's all we've got. No one else has the message of life in all its fullness. So, my friends, here we are. It may not be cool. It may not seem wise or careful or normal, but it's all or nothing. Jesus calls us to jump in at the deep end, to take the big bite, to swallow the lot. Jesus offers himself to us the bread of life, the Holy One of God, the one whose words give life in all its fullness. Don't hold back.
In our prayers this morning, some of the words have been inspired by or adapted from liturgies and prayers which originate from Australia. And so we bring our prayers for others and for ourselves, and we listen for God. Let us pray. Our media is awash with coverage of the political and military turbulence in the territory of Afghanistan. The current chapter, only the current chapter, in a turbulence which stretches back centuries. It's not the only, or perhaps even the worst, turbulence that is going on in our world at this time, but it is the one which is currently laid bare before our eyes and ears, and so we pray for it now. And we pray using the information that's been provided by BMS World Mission. BMS has worked in Afghanistan since 1997, partnering with organizations that serve the people of Afghanistan through training and capacity strengthening, areas of work which include community development, mental health support, agricultural training, and palliative care. And so this morning, we are asked by BMS to pray for wisdom for all NGOs and charitable bodies working in, within Afghanistan as they seek to support the communities they work with through this incredibly difficult time. For BMS workers, in the process of leaving the country. For BMS's commitment to Afghanistan and for discussions taking place as to how best to shape an ongoing response to an ever-changing situation. 
for strength for the people. For protection for those who feel forced to leave the country or to move their families to a safer region. For lasting peace and stability to be found in Afghanistan. And in praying for that, we include in our prayers the Taliban. But we do not forget those places on earth in which the imposition of physical force means that the opportunity to embrace life in all its fullness is denied or is fragile. Places which come and go in our news media, depending on censorship or whether or not we can be bothered to be interested. And so we name a few Palestine, Myanmar, Belarus, China, Iran, India, Turkey, East Timor, and the continuing plight of First Nation peoples in many parts of the world. The list is endless. Loving God, even when we feel weak or in fear or feel overwhelmed by forces which seem to be against us and against common humanity or against the fullness of life, there are moments when we know that we will never be determined by that. God without limits. We hear again this morning the still small voice beckoning us not to turn back, but to embrace life in all its fullness and to work with your grace, your love and your mercy to bring fullness to others too. And closer to home this morning for our wider Baptist community here in Scotland. This week we are encouraged to pray with the churches at Kirkwall, Knightswood, Ladywell and Livingston and Larbert. And this morning we include the South Yarra Community Baptist Church, which is part of the Baptist Union of Victoria in Australia. We pray for our sisters and brothers in these communities of faith, each seeking to dive in deeper to what God is doing and wants to do in their local area. And for ourselves here at Hillhead, our prayer rota for this week encourages us to remember Emma and Drew, Jane S., Wendy, Steve, Neil, Anita and Bonnie, Janet and Roger, Mary and Beth who joins us this morning with Charlotte, Joyce and Morag, Jen, Andrew, Carl and Aidan, 
Elaine, Graham, Freya and Sarah, John E. And finally, for this week, all those who serve on our finance group. Lord, we pray for each other, a community of faith, people traveling through life together and trying to be better followers of Jesus. And so Jesus turns to us and asks, what about you? Challenging God, in all honesty, we sometimes find it easier to pretend that we don't hear your invitations. The shadowlands of our routines, of our current ways of being, can feel safer to us than the challenge of deep commitment. But do not stop calling us God of our pilgrim journey. Lord, we listen for you. And where our prayers lead, may our actions follow. Amen. has promised to be with us in the world as in our worship. We go to serve him. And may the blessing of God, our creator, 
our Redeemer and our Sustainer, be with us all, now and evermore. Amen.